the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If if Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mention a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. the 13th. It was the Monsters Day as he mashed his way to the ROH World Championship by defeating the previously unbeaten Roosh in a wild anything goes match in the main event of ROH's biggest show of the year at UMBC Event Center. While the story of PCO being resurrected by his creator Destro may be fantastic, Pierre Carl Roulette's long and arduous journey to the World Championship is every bit as extraordinary. At 51, PCO became the oldest ROH World Champion in history, finally reaching the pinnacle in a 32-year career in which he's experienced more than his share of adversity. on the line right now is a former a three-time WWF World Tag Team Champion, a former WCW Hardcore Champion, and of course, a former Ring of Honor World Champion, and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, and six-man champion. He is, of course, Pierre Carl Wallet, a.k.a. PCO. Welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. How you doing? I I am absolutely doing uh, wonderful, uh, John. I'm I'm great, and uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm having uh, all kinds of uh, challenges every day, and I challenge myself, and I uh, 
I just enjoy life, uh, working hard, grinding it hard, and uh, just pushing uh, to the limits, you know, of uh, the human machine. Yes, you really are, and we'll definitely get into that because I love that character and how you've been able to reinvent yourself. But first, I wanted to mention the Ring of Honor's Final Battle 2020 this Friday night, the 18th at 9 p.m. You can get it on Fight TV. You can get it on PPV. You can get it on Ring of Honor Wrestling.com, a.k.a. ROHWrestling.com, via the Honor Club. It is going to be a huge show, and yourself and Mark Briscoe versus the foundation of Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. What do you think about this big-time match on this big-time show? I think it's very, very uh, amazing because uh, you got, like, the the two most craziest uh, wrestlers ever in the Ring of Honor history, and uh, Mark Bisco and uh, BCO, uh, you know, uh, teaming up together against the foundation, you know, the the guys that laid out uh not totally but over the last years and recently um pure wrestling. So it's a big contrast in both teams. Uh but that's what uh that is what it makes uh, the fight uh so intriguing and so uh, interesting. And Final Battle is usually the biggest show of the year for Ring of Honor, so definitely do not miss this one on on Friday the 18th. It's going to be a pretty big, massive show. I know it's in the ROH bubble, and it's kind of without any fans, but it's still going to be huge, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, The the card is totally lit. Uh, There's so many great matches on the card. Uh, uh, All the titles are on the line. The first hour of Final Battle, I think you can get for free. So if you like the first hour, then you can, you know, you can uh, buy the rest of the show or you can order the full show uh, all stacked up at once uh, through Honor Clubs or different, like you said, different options, fight uh, on fight uh, on, on the web. On uh, yeah, there's uh, you got all the places that where you can get. Uh, I think on YouTube also you can get the, uh, the the first hour and then you can pay for the rest of the show. Or on a club would probably be the best bet or Fight TV. But uh, yeah, but it's gonna be uh, very very uh, stacked up with uh, incredible matches. As far as yourself and what you've been able to do with the PCO character, you know, you're the monster, you're just really kind of reinvented yourself and became this different character a couple of years ago. Where did all that come from? Like, how did you kind of think it up? And, and is this all kind of your idea with Destro and the look and the gimmick and the character? Yeah, uh, it came out around like 2017, 2018. That was uh, getting ready for the Georgia and Spring Break uh, 2. Uh, uh, in Louisiana during the WrestleMania weekend and uh, I was facing Walter and it was a year that I had just came back you know uh, from uh, a few years off and uh, I was not I was kind of cold you know going into that match and I started to shoot some promos and some vignettes and uh doing some feats of strength, you know, rolling fry pans and bending nails and uh, tearing some decks of cards in half and things like that. And I had to work really hard on the, my hand grips and the strength of my hands and my wrists and things like that. And then uh, eventually, like, I was, uh, I was getting prepared for Walter's chops. So Destro was hitting me in the chair with a fry pan, and then I was... I was like hooked into those traps when you do abs, you know, and he was hitting me on the chest. And then after, after a few times that he hit me hard with the fry pan, I, I get mad, but never get mad at my creator. I get mad at what's going on. So I grabbed the fry pan and I rolled it. And then um, 
I got out of those traps and I started walking. And he said, just stop, stop, stop walking. Just stop right there. And he, I said, what's wrong? And he looked at me and said, you are, you are Frankenstein. You, you handle yourself just like him. You walk just like him. And uh, that's it. You are Frankenstein. And then I went on and I had that match against Walter and everybody was talking about PCO's resurrection, the resurrection of PCO. And then we, by hazard, by uh, serendipity, uh, you know, just just the hazard, uh, we started to do the, uh, you know, to bring me, bring me back to life with the electricity after that match. And then, you know, the storyline of the vignettes and the match itself and the career resurgence and the career resurrection and then and Chris, everything was crisscrossing over and uh, it made sense without knowing that we were doing that. It, it, we totally did that like in serendipity. Like, I don't know. It, it was just like, it was just like things just happening in a way where it just happened to be the French Canadian Frankenstein without knowing that we were doing that. <laughs> just, uh, I think it was just the, the perfect timing for, for this to happen. And the vignettes and everything are so creative and they're so good. I mean, it's just so well done. And and then uh, I always had the style, even on my previous year, I always had the style where, you know, I would do a lot of risk, take a lot of risk, and uh, I would put my body on the line. And I was doing things like that without, you know, uh, avoiding, like, uh, huge injuries or any injuries, like, I just, I'm just gifted at, at 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 being able to 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 pull out some crazy stuff and uh, to uh, just just having like a high tolerance to pain and uh, to be able to uh, to accept that and uh, to, to have the body the machine to to go through that type of matches. So it just creates some dramas and it creates some, you know, pay, people start worrying about the monster. Is it going to be all right? Will it be okay? And it just adds to the whole uh, scenario of, you know, okay, who's going to win? Who's going to lose? The excitement and everything. And on top of that, you have that drama that, overshadows everything like he's gonna be all right you know will he fall will he have an electrical malfunction will he dive like on empty space and or you know all kinds of stuff you know so it just it just makes it even more exciting for the public you know people that are watching on tv or when they are there live it's just adding to to the action, basically. When you beat Roosh a few years ago at Final Battle for the ROH World Title, that kind of was the real kind of stamp on it. Like, okay, you reinvented yourself. This gimmick got over. This new character of yours, I mean, just kind of set the world on storm. But then you became Ring of Honor World Champion, really put the stamp on it. You kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I feel we haven't tapped into that character yet enough. I feel like we have done one mega entrance at Madison Square Garden when it was sold out, you know, 2019, uh, on April 6th, um, we, where, uh, where I was, you know, uh, put on the electric chair and you have all of the pyros and the car battery and the, the electric shocks and then I was like putting back to life on show and then the whole crowd chanted like he's not human he's not human and that was a big big entrance one of the most uh, spectacular entrances pro wrestling history you know like very comparable uh, 
with the Undertaker or Kane or those type of entrances, you know, uh, as far as I mean, something very unusual and very different and very spectacular. And the crowd was lit, you know, the crowd was on fire. And um, we have done one entrance only. Uh, we have got also uh, planned out a super exit, uh, how I could get out of a match. Uh, I have had many discussions with uh, genius like Jim Johnson, who, who you know made my song, my entrance song, and who has been telling me since day one that you know to get over in wrestling, it's not just about wrestling, but it's about many other things other than wrestling, and, uh, you know, he's been shooting ideas at me like crazy, and I haven't got the chance to be able to execute those ideas for creative reasons, pandemics, uh, timings, organic uh, timing, I think things... Uh, in order to work, has to be they have to be organic. They have to happen, you know, from a natural uh, vibe that grows into whatever the idea is. And this timing wasn't just there. The timing was there for the MSG for the entrance that we had at final battle uh, when I became world champion. Uh, we had the hers. Uh, you know, we did a little bit with the car battery, with the, uh, the cable jumpers, but it, did, it wasn't as smooth as we were hoping. Uh, the hood got stuck, and uh, the show had to pull the whole front grill like out of the car in order to be able to put the current on the car and to put the current on me. Uh, it didn't come out as spectacular as it was anticipated or it was planned. So I feel that we really haven't tapped out into uh, into the potential of this character, this great character uh, that could be larger than life. So uh, I'm I'm just I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'm just ready, uh, working really hard and getting physically ready and uh, keeping myself in tremendous shape and uh, condition to be able to absorb like uh, all the shocks and the bumps and uh, everything that I'm doing in the ring and all the risks that I'm taking. But uh, I can't wait to uh, be able to go on the... Uh, uh, more theatrical aspect of the the wrestling business right now. I'm more focusing on the pure rules and the, the code of honor and, and all of this. You know, being a monster, but, uh, showing that's just a big uh, big monster that can't think or is not smart or whatever. You know, that we, we, yes, he can. You know, uh, exchange uh, wrestling holes for wrestling holes. You can get into karate or into Brazilian jiu-jitsu or into a different style. But uh, the main aspect of this character uh, is the theatrical aspect of it, and we haven't tapped into that yet. So I think there's a huge potential there where it's a gold mine. And we haven't dig into it yet. As far as that character and you, is it was that an adjustment for you? Because you've always been known as a great worker and a great wrestler, but now this is, like you said, a lot, a lot more theatrical, a lot more character based. Is that a bit of a, a change for you? Was that a bit of an adjustment? Uh, not, not really, because uh, it's the type of character that. I didn't know I was going to become, you know, like a Frankenstein, a French-Canadian Frankenstein character. Uh, I never knew that. But all my life, I knew that I would have, like, a character that would sound like that, you know. 
like something that is uh, shows a lot of, um, you know, like a machine or that will never quit, you know, that will, whatever happens, <laughs> lose, an, lose an eye, lose an arm, lose a leg or whatever, you know, just keeps on getting up, it keeps on fighting and keeps on going forward. And that notion, it's kind of a paradoxical because there's that notion of uh, never quitting in the machine, but it's also a very human quality to be courageous and to never give up. But it's also very uh, machine type of way of, you know, to keep on going forward when all your senses as a human usually would tell you to, you know, retreat and go back and not wanting to feel the pain or not wanting to go through more pain or you had enough, you had you learned the lesson, but against all odds, you keep on pushing forward. So I like that very huge paradoxical um this you know uh comparison of of the human and the machine but they almost synonymous <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 weird but that's that's how i feel as much as it could be a monster or a machine it's one of the most important uh quality of a human being so it's very very cool for me to be able to play, to be uh, this, because uh, it's hard to play a character that you don't really have the chance to be in your day-to-day life. I think that uh, Macho Man was Macho Man 24-7, and I think that Hogan was probably Hogan 24-7, and I feel like Austin is always Austin, no matter what, you know. I think uh, deep down under those many layers of the the onion skins or whatever you you can call it, at the core of every super great character, there's that real personality that stands there. And that's how I feel about myself and who I am and the characters I am. Is this the favorite character that you've played? I mean, this is obviously the current reincarnation of yourself back in the day, mid-90s WBF. Maybe you were playing Jean-Pierre Lafitte, the pirate, feuding with Bret Hart, or Pierre the Quebecer, teaming with Jacques Rougeau. Is this kind of the favorite character you've played? Yeah, by far. By thousand miles. This is my favorite character. My second best character would have to be the pirate because the pirate is also uh, very near to to what I was living throughout that time, which uh, at 12 years old, I lost the eyesight on, the, on my right eye. And I went through so much adversity and setbacks and uh a lot of problems at school, bullying, and uh, had to fight, you know, to uh, to be respected because, you know, people were looking at me a little bit like a, uh, like I wasn't normal, that I was different from the other kids because, you know, I had to wear sunglasses going at school even if it was dark at night because I couldn't let uh, uh, any dirt or anything get into my eye and get an infection and, or I had to wear an eye patch going to school. And when you're 12 years old, uh, kids, you know, quickly make fun of that and uh, have fun with it. And then, so that character, that, that pirate character was was very close uh, to, to my life at that time. But uh, now with all the wisdom that I, accumulate over the years and the lessons that I've learned and the personal development that I've been through that uh, that I took ownership of uh, 
of all the wrong decisions that I made, uh, that I created my my own uh, misery in a way by uh, making the wrong actions and uh, and uh, just uh, just panicking sometimes on different uh, decisions that things weren't going my way. I would say, well, if it's not going my way, well, I'm going home and things like that, or you know, I don't want to do anything with this, and uh, it was. Uh, more uh, centered on my on what my ego wanted than uh, centered on uh, what uh, what the outcome of, of being successful uh, could bring out to you know uh, the being able to uh, be a uh, some sort of a mentor eventually for younger wrestlers or for any people who are in walks of life that uh, you know and at one point you know you want to succeed not for your ego but just because you're disciplined because you put the efforts because uh you practice hours after hours after hours, or you do things that you know that other guys aren't willing to do or are tough to do, and then you force yourself to do things that even if you know it's your dream and it's your goal, that if you have to go and run like two miles every day and it's freezing outside and it's a blizzard or a snowstorm, uh, you still have to go no matter what. And and then you just put yourself into such a discipline that, uh, and that that's just one example, the running, you know, the apple a day, the bananas per day, the whatever meal you have to take, the, the climbing up the ropes up and down so many times per day, um, doing the trampoline part, you know, practicing a moonsault. There's so many disciplines, uh, day in, day out, seven days a week, you know, when when not traveling. And sometimes when you're uh, you're young, you're, you're avoiding those disciplines because you're thinking, why am I doing all this? Nobody's going to notice that. Nobody knows it. Nobody sees me. And uh, it's uh, you catch on into it, like as as you work on yourself and as you want to become just uh, a more performing human being. Uh, you just do it for yourself, you know. You're you're not doing for for the ego. You're not doing for for the flash. You're not doing for to brag about. But you're just doing because you want to be the best that you can be. So reasons are changing as you're getting more answers and you're working on yourself. And then as I grew, as I expand as as a person and as a human, um, I uh, I discovered you know different uh, ways of uh, achieving what I wanted to achieve, and uh, I'm just hoping now that you know. Uh, I can uh, translate that into a book, or it could be some something some knowledge that I could share and helping other kids, you know, reach their their dreams and their goals and what they have to do in order to to do that. That that it's not luck. It's not just a character. It's not just uh, timing. It's it's it's. <laughs> It's a million of millions of other things that you have to do each and every day. So it's just uh it's just uh the journey. It's like uh like the the warrior, the Greek warriors. They they have that saying, you know, they, they had to roll a big heavy cement rock with so many times, you know, they would be like an army just to roll it up a mountain. And and uh, if I would be part of that army, I would push hard to just roll it up, roll it up on, on top of the hill. 
And once it's on top of the hill, you just kick it back down and you start rolling it back up again. I just, I, I just think, you know, if you want to get better and expand, you have to work hard all the time. So it's, uh, I don't want to sit on, oh, I've done this and I've done that, but I'm not doing anything anymore. I really want to, I really want to keep on pushing at every stage of my life. Maybe not always in pro wrestling. Maybe after I'm achieved, you know, and I feel like I have achieved what I wanted to achieve in this business. After that, maybe it's going to be, uh, you know, I've got goals for other things, but uh, it's the same principle over and over. It's always working hard, working hard, and and really busting myself out. Are there some dream matches in Ring of Honor, like guys that you really want to face? Maybe necessarily you haven't wrestled yet, but guys you really want to wrestle? I was just talking about that last night, and uh, right now I feel that a lot of guys uh, are putting my name out there for for like dream matches with themselves or well I've, I know for a few like uh, you know guys that have shared directly to me that they would love to have like something going with me and things like that and uh, I think they're all great talents but for me it's hard to handpick someone right now because I just want it to happen organically I want it to happen without me having to decide who it's going to be. I, I want it to grow uh, by itself and, and to become something. Uh, like, for instance, like, I never planned of being part of Villain Enterprises. You know, I, I went to England in 2007 or 2008. I, I met Marty Skrull and I crossed him on a few shows and I was always polite with him. And I came back home uh, with no WWE contracts or no WCW contracts. And I just had been in England to work some indies and just to make some just basic money. I would have never imagined that that would have picked up and become a thing, you know, and uh, that I would have, I would have made my my debut uh, Ring of Honor uh, as Zillion Enterprises. So it, it, it's just something that happened organically. You know, I, I didn't push any buttons. You know, uh, I, I received a phone call from Ring of Honor, and then at that point, that's where we were at, and that's what, you know, all the, the card presented them, themselves and for me I, I thought at that point in time it was the perfect timing for, for how it, it happened so it's hard to to plan something and and then if I had planned things like this year and getting into the pandemics we were off for a while and then we're starting back with no crowd now we're we kind of get the the beat now. You know we're it's going to be the fourth TV tapings uh, plus the pay per view. So you get used to working in front of nobody. But at first it was like a total adjustment, and uh, so I was I was not even thinking about, and I'm still I'm, I'm still thinking, you know it's going to be one of the greatest final battle ever, but. Um, I'm hoping that if the greatest feud or one of my greatest feud comes on, uh, I will be able to have some public because I'm crowded, you know, and pack up some places. So I'm just uh, I'm just trusting on life and that you know I don't have anything planned in my mind really. I I just think. Uh, in due times, you know, if I do what I have to do every day, and I put all the efforts every day, I think uh, it will uh, accumulate into something great. As far as kind of you and your career, 
it's just for me thinking of it, it's like, wow, I've been following you since the early nineties. Obviously because the Quebecers were awesome. Loved, loved it, loved the theme song. You know, I loved everything about the Quebecers. Then, you know, Jean-Pierre C, then you kind of doing the amazing French Canadians thing. Then you're in WCW, ECW, TNA. So, you know, I've been following you for a, even all Japan for wrestling as well. And in Memphis too, but I've been following you for a very long time. So it's so interesting. And so great to see that, you've kind of come, you know, full circle in the business, and now you're becoming other people's dream matches. And they're, you know, starting to see what a great worker you are and how great you've kind of always been. But it's interesting that, you know, you're, you know, early 50s, but people are really starting to take notice of how great you are and were. Yeah, I think uh, I think I had shown enough uh, in the 90s, you know, when I did the Jacques Cousin retirement match in Montreal Forum in front of uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Sold out arena, eighteen thousand five hundred and working the top of the card, you know, the main event, you know, the last match of the night when the full roster was on hand in Montreal. Like it was no B town, no C town. Every single top wrestlers were wrestling on that card, whether it was Razor Ramon, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, or Bret Hart or Jim Handel Neidhart or Davy Boy. Smith or Owen Art or Undertaker, Yokozuna, I mean, Shawn Michaels, yeah, name it, all the big names, you know, uh, all the Hall of Famers or whatever, uh, everybody that were big, uh, we were able to wrestle on top of all of those guys and to steal the show and to literally, literally steal the show. And to have all those people talking about that last match. And Vince is there on hand. And, and Bruce Richard, I think, was there too. But the whole, the whole you know, the, the whole uh, Vince's entourage was like a live show. And uh, I really uh, proved the wrestling world that I could handle being a main eventer, uh, but at such a young age when you're 25 and you're uh, you're put in different situations where you don't know how to react with certain uh, jealousy or um, political situations, and because for me, you know, I just came in from. Eight years on working on the indie scenes where you didn't have to to go to that much of politics. You know, you you're an outsider. You go to England. You're going to be the main event because you're from Canada, and you, you got to wrestle those those lads, those British guys, or those German guys, or, or if you're in Germany or in France, French guys. So you're always working on top. You go to South Africa, you work on top with the two top South African guys. So there's not much business to be done, really, where now I am in a dressing room with, you know, guy that's that's been in the business for a longer period of time, have more experience than I do, and then I'm starting to step on some toes because I'm having, like, a quick, you know, getting over pretty quickly and uh, I just don't know how to handle those, those situations and also you you start, you know, wanting to be a star and you start wanting to go out and, and you, you care less about your dream and your goal and you care more you, you care more about being, you know, recognized and being a huge star and you know, now it's totally the difference where, you know, I don't drink, I don't go out, I don't, uh, I don't hang out uh, on bars. I, you know, I'm fully disciplined, which at that time, you know, uh, I could also, you know, uh, do those things. And also I could also very easily be worked. If you would tell me, ah, oh, such and such guy said something about you and then I would get worked up. I would say, what he said, what do you mean? Or somebody would walk to me and say, oh, you know, the show in Montreal in two months from now, it's going to be big, big blue jack knife, one, two, three, you know. 
and then I would back like, no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be like that. You know, it can't be like that because I, I took that as an insult, and it was really easy because uh, I just think like first thing it's just a, uh, it's a game of errors and mistakes where most of the guys they take themselves out of the picture by themselves, you know. So when they've, they've been put on on a situation where they're not happy, where it's not going the way that they want the thing, things to go their way, they kind of crack under that pressure, and they they want to get out. They want out because they cannot handle that that uh, that situation. So it's just uh, that that's what was pretty cool about my parkour. Uh, since joining ROH, I didn't have to uh, to uh, impose anything to say, oh, you know, I need to have that belt or I need to have that push or I need this. Just, I just wanted to know what kind of plans they had for me. I was just listening and uh, I just trusted the uh, the my my work ethic and it would pay off. And so it's just uh, it's just uh, the way that I, I look at the business, what I know now, and I, I just wish that eventually one day when I've reached all of my goals and I have a, I feel like I'm totally accomplished in the wrestling business, I just I just want to share that. I, I just think there's not enough sharing from the top guys like Austin or anybody, NWO or Rogan or, I mean, they share some of the stories, but, you know, you, you don't really know about uh, their feeling about just a certain pay-per-view of walking in or being in behind a curtain and you're just about or in the afternoon of a certain show, you know, what, what was the feeling, what was the gut feeling, what was the... Uh, going on in your mind, you know, because I just feel like you have your your higher mind and you have your weaker mind. I just feel like you have, like, two voices and you always have one that tries to bring you down and say, no, you're not worth this, no, you cannot do that. And you have the other voice where, yes, I can do this and I can do that. And I think it's, it's a constant battle there. And uh, I would love, you know, to know, you know, at a certain point how those guys felt, you know, uh, and uh, what was going through their mind, really. Uh, I, I think it's a, there's a lot of stories that have been told, but we we don't have, like, full information on what was going on. Like, I would like to be more precise on what the journey of, you know, working on top night after night or trying huge crowd night after night or being, you know, the guys that you build uh, the company on, what what is the, uh, what are the qualities or what are the, uh, yeah, the, the milestones that you have to go through in order to get to where you want to be. Uh, I know it's, it starts with, with confidence and things like that. That I've been, you know, for me, I've been like, I've been reading the same affirmation for over 20 years, you know, just to get it printed out in my mind. And I never heard anyone in the business saying anything about anything like that. Or, or you know, so it's, it's just I'd like to share some great value information that uh, helped me go throughout that the process where you know you you almost on top and then you drop the ball by by your own fault and then you you find a way to pick pick that ball back up and being able to score and what the journey was and where you made mistakes and where you have to push through and when is the time to push through. So so there's a lot of things I would like to help and share other wrestlers and other 
people with my own experience. So I would love to eventually share that that book and, or you know something like that. And that is awesome to hear because you know, like you said, a lot of the veterans maybe not passing along that information. So it's great that ROH has somebody like you out there helping these younger guys, obviously, yeah. you know, helping these guys out. And, of course, wanted to mention ROH Final Battle 2020, Friday the 18th at 9 p.m., available on Fight TV, Honor Club, ROHWrestling.com, YouTube, PPV, Traditional Lies. It is everywhere. You could find it. Definitely, definitely seek it out as the foundation will be defending the Tag Team Championships against PCO and Mark Briscoe. Great stuff. So, PCO, please. Give us all the plugs where everybody can find you and, and see all your uh, awesome stuff you got going on with Destro. Yeah, I'm very easy to find. Uh, PCO is not too young, pretty much everywhere on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, uh, where I have my uh, my movies that play in every two minutes and 20 seconds every Monday night, you know, PCO Justice where it's like a superhero, action hero, superpower type of Batman, Superman, or Hulk, or Frankenstein uh, type of deal uh, with a a great storyline. And um, so you can you can be entertained by, by this program every Monday night at uh, 8 p.m., on Twitter and also on uh, all my other social media platform and also uh, on my uh, Twitter, on my uh, on my YouTube account, uh, Pierre Carvalet. Uh, they all there also. There is more than... We started shooting a video a week in 2017. So uh, times, there's, a, there's over 100 and... 56 videos on my YouTube page since 2017. One video every Monday night. Never missed a beat. Uh, always delivered every Monday. So, um, yeah, so there's plenty of videos there. That's you. And uh, eventually we're going to stack them up all together and it's going to become a uh, an hour and 33 minutes uh, long movie. And uh, that's going to be great. Uh, well, this is just I uh, can't wait to see if it's going to be on Tubby, if it's going to be on Honor Club, if it's going to be on St. Clair's Broadcasting TV, Syndicate TV stations or whatever. Uh, where the movie's going to play, you know, that's going to be uh, something that we'll decide next year. But uh, as of now, you can watch some bits and pieces every week. So it's kind of cool. Awesome stuff from PCO. Good luck this weekend at a final battle. Thank you so much for all the time. Uh, thank you very much. It's going to be a hell of a show. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, the ones that are never watching our ROH show, uh, it's the best wrestling on the planet. And uh, hopefully uh, we can connect eventually in the future. And uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, having me on your show and uh, it's a privilege and an honor uh, to, to be part of the show and uh, thank you very much appreciate it thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading
try to run, but you can never hide. I'm right. 